Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Towering over the Bulgarian capital of Sofia is Vidushim Mountain. Connected to the city by several public buses, residents, like me, love hiking the numerous mountain trails to get away from the hustle and bustle. And it was on one of these solitary hikes that I first came across the Vidusha Bear Museum. At first, I didn't quite know what I was looking at. A cute little hut halfway up the mountain with a locked door and boarded up windows. But the sign said Bear Museum in Bulgarian, and also that the museum was closed because it was hibernating for the winter. So I sent some emails, and that's how, a few days later, I met Dr. Nikola Doikin at the museum. Dr. Doikin is a fauna expert at the Vidisha Nature Park Directorate, the organization that runs the museum. And he also had a key to open the museum door, which he wasn't sure would work because it had been a month since he last used it. <laughs> and as you see, our museum, museum is, uh, how to say, very simple. The museum is as small on the inside as it looks on the outside. There's no electric connection at the museum. The LED lights that illuminate the gallery are powered by a car battery that Doikin switched on when we entered. The rustic appearance is a carryover from the building's first purpose, a mountain shelter for Vidusha mountain rangers. And this was uh, the place that they are staying during the night. And after that, it was uh, abandoned totally. And uh, one guy had the idea to make this uh, place where we can show the bears and where they can live. And the whole idea of the bears in the, in the forest. The abandoned shelter was turned into the Vidusha Bear Museum in 2002. For Doikin, this is the perfect setting for the museum because what's outside is just as important as what's inside. It will be easy for us if this kind of a museum was in a city, but we cut the line if we are in the city but not in the forest because after that we can go out in the forest and show something else to the children. Uh-huh. And mostly we have a, a little bit of a different education with the children and we start from here. After that we go out in the, in the field uh-huh. and they can feel everything. The idea is uh, to put uh, especially uh, children, the new generation, to put them in a real uh, feelings, to smell the forest, to feel the wind. The whole uh, idea of the eco-education, forestry education and to take out the children from the cities and to show them real nature and how they can uh, walk around and even to have fun mm-hmm. in the forest, not only in the, cities. the forests and mountains of Bulgaria represent a part of the national ethos, and so do the brown bears that live there. As the number of bears in the country declined, so too has the cultural pervasiveness of bears as fearsome carnivorous predators. Today, there's an increased focus on conservation and even a sense of pride about Bulgaria's remaining bears. We can say something about uh, 10 to 15 bears that are left in in Vitusha mountain, but mostly on the south part of the, of the mountain. According to Doikin, DNA testing has indicated that there's enough genetic diversity in this population of bears 
to reproduce and ensure their continued survival on Vidusha Mountain. That is, if humans stay away and protect their habitat. To Doikin and his team, teaching children about the bears is the best way forward. As a local news article about the museum put it, quote, useful tips on how to meet a bear are given at the Vidusha Bear Museum. And mostly what to do not to meet the bear. Uh-huh. And if we met it, find it somehow, uh-huh. uh, what to do. In the corner of the room, there's a tree taken from the forest which has markings from a bear. What uh, they do to mark their territory mm-hmm. with different uh, type of uh, marking. Uh, and also one tree uh, that is a uh, real marked uh, from bear uh-huh. here with uh, his teeth mm-hmm. and oh, this with a cloth. Wow. We can show to the children, yeah. the people, uh, that uh, what uh, what to look for. The tree in the sparse interior makes it easy to connect visitors to what's going on outside the four walls. After we show them how the bears mark their territory, to start to look around and to see if uh, some of the uh, trees are marked, and and we then we present to the children. Uh, the same information, we can live, we can find it, and to take care of the animals, mm-hmm. not to uh, kill them. Uh, we make some programs and speak to the children. On interpretive panels, visitors will also find information about the evolution and geographic distribution of different types of bears. These cover not just the brown bear, the only type of bear found in Europe and Bulgaria, but also black bears in the Americas and in Asia and polar bears. A glass case displays skulls from all of these bears. There's even a bit of space in the basement, where visitors can go inside a fake bear cave and see statues of a brown bear and her cub. Here the main idea was to be dark, because in a cave there is no no lights. We have no real bears, Uh but only only those, Uh and a small bear in the cave, uh, his mom. The fake cave is the perfect example of the museum working with what it has. In this case, a dark, low-ceiling basement that doesn't require electricity, and choosing the interpretive materials carefully. In this case, a simple statue is quite effective. In many ways, the museum stands apart from the Museco Children's Museum in Sofia, which we featured in episodes 6 and 46 of this show. That museum the first children's museum in the Balkans, features a large number of computerized interactives centered around the concept of playful learning, which was not encouraged, to say the least, when Bulgaria was a communist country. But the Vidusha Bear Museum also breaks the mold of rote memorization and statistics overload that used to define Bulgaria's education system and is still present at many of Bulgaria's largest museums. Instead of computerized interactives, the museum finds playful learning in the feeling of a sparse ranger's hut. And next season, the museum will add electricity with a solar panel system. Next year, already we got contract with one company to make a solar system with solar panel and we will have electricity and then we will have more things to do. With electricity installed, Doikin and his team hope to increase the number and interactivity of the exhibits. Uh, for me, it's not bad to have this kind of natural feeling of uh, 
uh, wood of uh, to really to touch mm -hmm. uh, the pear or to smell the leaves and also you can have some interactive mm -hmm. games you can make some 3D animation to see how the pair walking, yeah. walking around. But Doiken, who would spend all his time in the mountains if he could, still considers the biggest museum to be on the outside. We have the both museum, you know, biggest and the smallest. <laughs> and it's good to have both. This has been Museum Archipelago. For a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, visit museumarchipelago.com. Museum Archipelago is supported by listeners like you who have joined Club Archipelago. Club Archipelago members get access to a bonus podcast feed where we've been doing in-depth reviews of how museums are portrayed in movies, TV shows, and even video games. If you can't get enough of how museums shape our lives, join Club Archipelago today by visiting jointhemuseum.club. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.